0: Father, we all come this morning with different things on our hearts and minds. Some of us scrambling to get here because our clocks weren't changed, and some of us struggling to get here because of the roads and the weather, and some of us worrying about the future and work or family. And Lord, as we come to your word, help us to hear what you have to say. Help us to hear how that. How your word meets us right where we're at father we want to hear you speak we ask you to speak clearly and we ask that any of the fears or stresses or anxieties or distractions any of those things that may hinder us from hearing you clearly this morning that you would that you would push them away and that you would help us to hear father we pray that you would open our eyes to see our ears to hear and our hearts to receive what you have to say to us this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. So we're looking at Philippians. We're going through the first 11 verses this morning. It starts off, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you sharing God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. As some of you know or may not know, I don't remember. You, know, you come into a new congregation, you don't remember what you've said or what you haven't said. So sometimes I assume you know things about me, and sometimes I think you don't know, and I just keep telling you the same things over and over again. But that's okay. But I didn't. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Um, both of my parents, um, kind. My dad grew up in a CRC church, and my mom grew up in a kind of a nominal Lutheran church. But once they graduated high school, they both um, walked away from the faith. But God didn't walk away from them, and uh, they walked. They thought they were walking away, and God kept coming after them, tugging, pulling at them. And pulling them back until when I was about nine or ten years old, um, they finally turned to Christ. And um, we got connected to a small little Bible church in Montana. And in, in that little Bible church is where I became a believer and finally trusted in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I wish I could say I remember that day. You know, some people say, oh, I remember it just like yesterday. I, I don't. <laughs> I've got a pretty good memory, but I don't remember it just like yesterday. There's parts of it I remember vividly. There's parts that kind of rem- I remember kind of like a fog. But I do remember that the pastor was preaching on 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 the beauty of heaven and the terror of hell. And I remember sitting there going, wow, heaven is glorious and amazing. And hell is fearful and frightful. And I went home from there, and I remember laying in bed, and I wept, and I said, Jesus, I want to be with you. Um, I want to be with you in heaven. Please forgive me. Save me from this punishment. I want to follow you. And So I prayed, and I asked forgiveness, asked that he would save me. Um, But it wasn't like all rosy after that. Um, I remember for most of my childhood and teenage years, I struggled with wondering if that prayer stuck. I remember wondering, maybe I think I'm a Christian, but maybe I'm not really a Christian. And, you know, there's that, there's that verse in, there's that passage in the gospels where, where all these people are coming to Jesus, right, in the, in the end days, and Jesus looks at them and says, I never knew you. And they said, wait, 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 we did all these things in your name. Like, we thought we were Christians. And Jesus said, I never knew you. So I I was afraid. I thought, man, maybe I think I'm a Christian and I'm not. And I remember, you know, probably like 200 times I asked Jesus into my heart, just like maybe one of these times it's going to stick. Maybe I'll be good. And I just had, I had no assurance and I found no comfort in it. and And I was worrying about it over and over and over again until I came to this verse. And, uh, to be honest, I don't know if it's exactly this verse, but the truth of this verse, when it, when it really grabbed hold of my heart, assurance came. I mean, Paul says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I mean, does that stir your heart like it stirs my heart? I mean, I read, I read that and I still get little tingles crawl up my skin. He who began a good work in you will finish it. God starts something and He will finish it. And Paul says, I'm sure of it. I have no doubt, no question in my mind, if God starts it, He will finish it. And, and it's the, that assurance begins with just understanding that. He who began a good work in you, I mean, when I when I was younger, I thought that I was the one who started that good work. I thought, man, I was just smarter than my other friends who weren't believers. I was, you know, I was a little better. I, I maybe prayed a little bit, you know. I, I thought I was kind of the one who did that. I was the one who found God. I thought. And yet, the reality is, I think back when I first heard the gospel. In that church service, I wasn't seeking God at all. I really had no desire. I I didn't know Him. He wasn't on my radar. I really couldn't have cared less. But then God brought me there, and I heard the gospel, and He opened my eyes, and He stirred my heart, and I believed. I mean, it's even the story of my parents. You know, my, my, my parents walked away from the faith, and they had no intention of going back. And yet, my dad found himself in a dairy barn milking cows, and the only station he could get in the barn was... Christian radio station where he heard the gospel over and over and over again, two hours in the morning and two hours at night. He wasn't seeking God. God was coming after him over and over and over again. And God began that good work in him. He began that good work in me. And he's the one who began that good work in you. And, and, And I think back to those days where I really wrestled with assurance of my salvation and, and and I just was really fearful that I was not a Christian and the reason I was fearful is because I thought I started that good work but deep down inside I knew I wasn't strong enough to do it I thought maybe maybe I didn't pray quite hard enough maybe I didn't say the right words or have the right you know maybe I didn't do this well I knew deep down inside that I was not strong enough to start that work and so I was fearful And yet, when I found out that it was God who began that good work in me, then why be afraid? I'm not strong enough, but do you doubt God's strength and ability? I mean, I'm not smart enough, but He knows everything. I'm I'm not powerful, but He's all-powerful. I'm not that loving. He's all-loving. And if He's the one starting that work in us, we can rest in that promise. He started it in us and He's going to bring it to completion. He's going to to finish that work in you. He's never going to leave you nor forsake you. He'll, He'll continue to walk alongside you, shaping you and molding you so that you begin to look more and more like Jesus. And He's not going to stop until He's finished. And it's going to take a long time. He says... It's not going to be completed until Jesus Christ comes again. <laughs> so settle in for the long haul. It's going to take a long time. But one day when, when we're fully resurrected bodies and, and there, we're in the new heavens and the new earth, we will be complete just as Jesus is complete. And God will do that work in us. Are, are, are you, I like to go to conferences. And uh, and where I used to live in Minnesota, I was about an hour away from John Piper's church and they do two or three conferences there a year. So I usually picked one and I would go to it. And I remember being seated at this question and answer session where they have a panel of people and different people ask questions. And somebody put John Piper on the spot and asked him a question that none of us would really want to be asked in front of thousands of people. And I remember sitting back going, how's he going to get out of this one? <laughs> I mean, they said, "John, Pastor John, what? When do you doubt God the most?" (laughs) You know, ask a famous pastor that in front of thousands of people. It almost sounds like a gotcha kind of a question. And we all thought, "What's he going to say?" And his answer sticks with me till today. He said, "I doubt God the most when I see how slow the process of sanctification has been in my life." And I thought, "Wow." say that another way he said he he can look at his life he was you know almost 70 at that time and he said i've been following i've been following jesus for 60 something years and i would think i would be further along than this i would think that i would be stronger and, and and more mature in my faith and when i see that i am not as far as i should be he wrestles with it It just has that idea that becoming more like Jesus is a slow, painful process. And yet the promise is, he who started that work in you, he will finish it. He he doesn't just get frustrated frustrated with you and say, I'm done. I'm sick and tired of chiseling this person. Throwing my tools and I'm walking away. I'm going to go find somebody better. No, he's going to finish it. He doesn't get bored with you. You might think, I'm just a really boring person. Why would God? Well, He's not bored easily with you. He keeps working and shaping your life. And, and we can, we can look at our lives and think, man, I should be stronger than this, right? I've, I've heard that, you know, as, as a youth pastor and, you know, I've been in ministry for 12 years now and I've heard that over and over and over again. People say, man, I should be stronger than this. I say, uh. we are weak. But God is strong and He keeps coming and He keeps working and keeps shaping our lives and chisels off the rough edges. He melts away the impurities. He cuts off branches that aren't bearing fruit. And He keeps doing that work until He brings it to completion, until it will be finished in us. And it's not that He stops every once in a while. He is doing it. If He started that work in you, He is doing that work in you right now. Whether you see it, whether you feel it or not, He is doing that work and He will continue that work until one day we fully and finally look like Jesus. And as Paul finishes this chapter, he, he prays for it to be done. Just, and we'll see this in a couple of weeks. My sermon's going to talk about this. But um, Paul says, I'm confident that God's doing this work in you. I know he's doing it and he's going to finish it. And then he ends this chapter and says, and I'm going to pray that he does it. You know, he, he doesn't just sit back. I'm confident that God's doing it. So just sit down and don't do anything. That's not that's not how it works. In, in, in a few in the next chapter, in the middle of chapter two, he says, work out your salvation, work it out in fear and trembling because God is at work in you. So God, he calls, I'm confident God's doing this, but I'm going to pray that God keeps doing this work in you. And he says, here's what I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that this is what it's going to look like when God brings it into completion and he shapes you into the image of Jesus. I'm praying that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depths of insight. That's what I'm praying for you. And and we know that, right? A couple weeks ago we sang that song. We will they will know we are Christians by our love. Jesus in, in John fifteen in this great high priestly prayer, he says, My command is this love each other as I have loved you. We hear stories about the early church and, and they're in a in a culture that's predominantly not Christian, and yet non-Christian officials are looking at the church and saying, Wow, look how they Love one another. Or we read 1 Corinthians 13, the great love chapter, and it says, you know, love is patient, love is kind. And it ends and says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. I mean, love is the essence of the Christian life. It's the core of the Christian life. And Paul says, I pray that that would abound more and more and more in you. But to quote a famous song that I'm not going to sing. What is love? <laughs> Baby, don't hurt me. <laughs> right? I mean, what is if if the love is the essence of the Christian life, if it's at the core of the Christian life, what is it? And how how do we know? I mean, that's the question that I've wrestled with. How do we know if we are loving God and loving our neighbor? How do we know that the things that we're doing are actually loving? You know, I, I would say the world around us would say, it, you know if it's loving if you just feel that it's loving. Like If I do something to somebody and and I feel like I'm loving them in my heart, then it's a loving thing to do. Or if somebody does something to me and it doesn't feel loving, then it's not Loving and, and it kind of puts it in our heart to control whether we know where something is loving or not. But yet Paul says, I want your love to abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. That what, what controls our love and, and governs our love is not the heart, but at a deep down beneath knowledge and insight, he's saying it's the Word of God. The, the Word of God is what what tells us and shows us how we rightly love God and rightly love our neighbor. That's what, that's what governs it. And, and as we do this in the world, I, I can guarantee you, because I've had it, I've had people scream at me and say, that's not loving. I say, but God tells me it is loving. So we're shaped by God's Word and not from the world. This is how we love. And and I'm not getting into that more, but it's something for us to think of as we come to God's Word. How does He show us how to love Him and and love our neighbors? Um, Oh boy, that's way smaller than I thought it would be. I'll read it to you. (laughs) James Montgomery Boyce says, The Christian life must be motivated and informed by love. Without love, we're only clanging symbols, right? But this was never intended to be a wishy-washy, undefined, sentimental love. It's the love of Christ. Hence, it must be a love governed by biblical principles and exercised with judgment. The love of Christ is at the very heart of the Word of God. And so our love should be shaped in those ways. And he says, the, the reason I want your love to abound more and more, the purpose behind that, if you ever see so that, there, he's talking about the purpose, is so that you may be able to discern what is best. When, when we have this knowledgeable love or this insightful love, he says, then you're, you're able to discern what is best, the best way to love God and to love our neighbor." Not just a way or some kind of a way, but the best way to love God and love our neighbor. And as we're shaped into the image of Jesus Christ, we do that better and better. Because we really mess this up a lot. I mean, I know I do. Sometimes when people say, That's not loving, it's not because the Bible says it's just because I'm being a jerk. And so, so I need the forgiveness of Christ and I need God to finish the work in me so that I may abound more and more in true love to God and neighbor. And then he gives us this picture of what it looks like for that work to be completed in us. He says, if your love abounds more and more, this knowledgeable love, knowledgeable insight, you know what's best and that you may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. And I want to make sure we hold a couple things in tension as we listen to this, because on the one hand, we know. I mean, I think if we're really honest with ourselves, we know that we are not pure and blameless and righteous. <laughs> that even even as a believer, we've been forgiven and we're being shaped to become more like Jesus. But we know that our sinful life clings on to us like an angry toddler grabbing onto our leg, and you can't get them off. You know, just it's not going to let go. It stays there and doesn't want to. Let go. And so sin creeps at our door. And so scripture tells us this beautiful picture. You are not pure. You are not blameless. You are not righteous. But Christ is. His life was pure and blameless and righteous. And, and when we turn to Him and we, we ask forgiveness and, and, we, and He takes that pure, blameless, righteous life and He credits it to our account, and now when God looks at us through Christ, He sees us as pure and blameless and righteous. Isn't that incredible? We are not. But because of what Christ has done, God sees us that way. And yet... He's shaping us into the image of Jesus Christ he's working in us to become more and more like Jesus the one who is pure and blameless and righteous and so we never we don't hit that standard yet but God's working and shaping so that we become more pure more blameless more righteous and when he finishes that work in us we will be fully pure fully blameless fully righteous I mean is that is that incredible I think that I mean A day is coming, it's not in this life, where we will be fully pure, fully blameless, fully righteous, but a day is coming when you will be and sin will no longer have sway over you because of the work of God He's finishing in us. There will be a day when our hearts will fully want to love God and fully want to love neighbor and we'll be fully able to do both of those things. But as we wait for that day and we fail at it repeatedly, we rest in the fact that Christ has granted us his righteousness. And we trust that God is still at work in us finishing what he started. And Paul finishes this whole section telling us what the point of it all is. And I think this is important. The point of this all, the fact that he's finishing this work in us, isn't primarily about our own comfort or our own benefit. Paul's saying the point of it all is to the glory and praise of God. That's why he's doing this work. That's why he's shaping and working in us. God started the good work in you for his praise and for his glory. He continues to do that work in you for his praise and for his glory. And he's going to finish that work in you for his praise and for his glory. Glory. Because that's the point of our whole life. The the purpose of our life is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's your purpose in life. And isn't it beautiful that Paul says, and guess what, I'm confident of this, that when you're in Christ, He's going to do that. He's going to do that work in you. I mean, Paul says He's going to do it in you even in, in really mundane things. He says whether you eat or drink Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I mean, even in mundane things, like when you were eating breakfast this morning, uh, whatever, I don't know, everybody likes different breakfast. Whatever you were eating for breakfast, whether it was eggs and sausage or granola, um, Paul says when you're doing that, that should be to the glory of God. As, as, you, as you're driving here on bad roads, <laughs> I might have to repent. Um, <laughs> you should be doing that to the glory of God. As you work in your job day to day, to the glory of God. As you retire, to the glory of God. As you play hockey or whatever it is, it's all to be done to the glory of God. And the cool thing is, as Paul says, and he's going to do it in you. He's going to finish it. We're going to fail and need to repent. But God's going to keep working at it and shaping and and pointing you to the fact that you will glorify God even in the small little things of life. And so we rest this morning in the fact that God started a work in you. And He's going to finish it. And He's not going to leave you behind partway. He's not going to give up on you. But He will continue to work in you and shape you so that you become more like Jesus and he will work in you and shape you so that your love would abound more and more and more in knowledge and discernment. He'll purify you and refine you and he'll work in your life so that your life begins to bear fruit and he will work in you so that you will fulfill your purpose in life, which is to glorify him. And we can rest in that, that he is doing that work in us now and he will finish it. Let's pray. Father, You are so faithful when we are not. Thank You that we can trust You. Thank You for this promise that when we recognize our own weakness and our own frailty, that we can trust in Your strength. We can trust that You will finish the work that You've started in us. Father, help us to rest in that more fully. Help us to lean on You and Your strength. And help us to rejoice in the work that you're doing. Lord, bring us to the end and bring us to completion. And all God's people said, Amen.